You are now listening to Failing Ads Up with your co-hosts, George Jr. Ibarra and Antonio Romero. Stay tuned. of Failing Ads Up. As always, my name is Antonio Romero. And guess what? This is the first time we're actually on video. They can see us, Junior. Hey, that's crazy. They can see our faces. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. All right. <laughs> but you guys, um, we're super excited. This is our first ever podcast on camera. We've been, uh, been in the works. We've been wanting to actually you know, do this from the very beginning, but because of a lot of uh, you know learning curves and everything. It, it has been a little difficult to get to this point, but you know we're super excited that now moving forward, uh, we should most likely be recording every single podcast on uh, you know the visual piece of it as well. So you're not only just watching this through, you're listening through this now. You can actually watch it on our YouTube page and also Facebook page. So as I mentioned, my name is Antonio Romero, and alongside with me as always, I got Junior Barra. Well, I don't usually say it like. But just Junior Ibarra. Junior Ibarra it is. Yeah, so, um, you know, you, you guys haven't been able to notice, but we have taken a, a, a bit of a break, not not too long. But since, you know, we, we post our podcast episodes uh, back to back, so you guys haven't noticed. But here in real time, we have taken that uh, nice little mental break. And, you know, since we've taken that break, a lot of things have happened, right, Junior? From, uh, you know, us uh, getting a new real estate office, We've uh, gone down to Austin, Texas for a cool real estate conference. Anything else that you have in mind? No, yeah, I mean, yeah. The the reason we had to kind of take a pause in real time, like you said, Antonio, our our followers may not, you know, really like see that pause. But yeah, a lot of cool things have happened. Uh, Yeah, we have our brand new real estate office for our team that Antonio and I are on. Just super excited about a lot of good energy. Uh, got the ping pong tables coming here soon <laughs> as well, right? So that I can beat Antonio a couple games. Right? I don't know, man. Come on. Okay. But, <laughs> right, right. Uh, but yeah, we've gotten to do a little traveling down to Austin and, and mastermind with some people. And we even had a, a special guest here recently, you know, come and visit our team. Uh, you know, Mark Keen, who's the president of KWRI, uh, give us some uh, coaching directly for our team. So a lot of cool stuff and even more cool stuff happening. Even more so with what's uh, we're, uh, the, the person we're about to talk to. Yeah, no, and, and you know, I, I do want to touch up on this even before he's here in the room. Is, you know, I haven't known this particular guest that long, but the short amount of time that I have, he's a very, very genuine person. And, uh, you know, I think you, once you meet him, it, it, it just shines. You can naturally see it. That's, that's one of the biggest things is that genuineness that you get from him. And you could tell he, he's, you know, just trying to help people. So, you know, transitioning into that, since you have known him a little bit longer, and I hope we can also hear the story of how you guys met, because you guys have told me that story, and I think it's a, it's really that full circle moment that you guys have had. Um, so I think it would be cool for the guests also, or, or I mean, the listeners to, you know, hear about that story. Yeah, yeah, that'll be cool uh, if he decides to hit on that on that story too, right? And. Uh, but yeah, he, this, this next guest is just an amazing human overall, high integrity individual, huge, huge heart, and also serial investor. So buying houses left and right. 
so a very savvy and wise and, and, and real estate investor who has a, a huge want uh, and heart to coach others to to share the all of the things that he's learned, right? And so we're Antonio and I are both very blessed that he's part of our lives that we get to learn from him, and uh, he is changing our lives and a lot of the people on our team's lives and, and even now more people in the Des Moines metro area. So without further ado, let's uh, meet this real estate investor, Mr. Dave Ferris. Hey, let's go. Dave Ferris. <laughs> What's up, fellas? How's it going, Dave? Well, let you get situated and comfortable here before we kind of start asking all the questions. Are you going with no headset or headset? No pressure. I'm going with no headset. Oh, we got that. We got I think you're like the second person to go with no headset. I get it. So, um, Dave, I'm warning you right now. We like to get deep into the types of questions and the types of conversations we have. So, I want to build up to it as we start off on on uh, most of our episodes, most of our podcasts. We kind of just want to hear about your journey of you know everything you've done up until this point, all the failures, the sacrifices that you have taken. So let's go ahead and start off with childhood Dave, okay? And uh, you know, where, where are you from, Dave? Uh, well, I'm from Iowa. Uh, growing up, uh, uh, my dad was a minister, actually, so mm. we traveled around a little bit, so I lived in about three or four different towns as a kid. Uh, I graduated high school from Indiana High School in Iowa, so. Yeah, so that's it. Uh, you know, I mean, I think one of the things that happened when I was a kid um, that maybe uh, framed me a little bit is I had a terrible stuttering problem. Really? I so, did not know that yeah, about you. Yeah, when so I was a kid, I couldn't. I mean, it was, you know, when you're in elementary school and you go around go around the classroom, everybody has to read a paragraph. I mean, that was. My popcorn reading? That was, you know, I was, that was terrible for me. <laughs> so did you have yeah. to take, like, speech classes and stuff? No, I never did. I, I ended up growing out of it some. I mean, growing out of it is more like learning how to deal with it, honestly. By the time when I was uh, going through junior high, and then by the time I got to high school, I was pretty good. There were certain sounds. You know, I started learning there were certain sounds that I would struggle with more than others. And so for a while, I would just try to avoid those words, or I wouldn't put that word at the beginning of the sentence. So if mm -hmm. I was going to start talking and I would, uh, you know, talk about, or I would say some other word first but yeah and no not not to start off dark or anything but <laughs> what what did you have like any type of bullying or anything like that come from it no yeah i don't remember that i don't remember the uh, any of that happening really i'm sure there was a little bit of it but um i don't really recall that so gotcha, much gotcha. so now how did how did you deal with that like growing up, was that something that was difficult for you to deal with? It was hard. Yeah, it was pretty tough. You know, I think it probably uh, affected my self confidence more than anything, which could be why why I had a starting stuttering problem to begin with. I'm not mm -hmm. sure really. Uh, who knows? But yeah, but I know it affected that, uh, and that's probably part of the reason I don't like to get up in front of people and speak you know, in front of groups. But I know there's a lot of people that don't like to speak in front of groups, so. See, I, have, I find that hard to believe because even recently you've been in front of lots of youth speaking. Because <laughs> I've been to those events to watch you speak, so. Yeah. 
you know, it helps. When I'm talking about real estate, that helps a lot. Mm, yeah. Something you're an expert at, something yeah. you're comfortable with. Right. If you gave me some topic that I needed research and learn about and then just go give that, that speech, I'd, I'd have a hard time with it. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Because I just uh, feel like I don't fit as clearly when I'm up in front of a group. So yeah. if, if I haven't uh, practiced or really documented what I want to say, then <laughs> yeah. I may or may not say. Yeah, yeah, no. who, who was uh, who was high school Dave then? Like, did you were you in extracurriculars? What was your uh, or did you not participate? Yeah, no, I did a lot of sports. Um, you know, football, basketball. Football was my favorite. Uh, I like basketball a lot too, and um, you know, lifted weights a lot. And so I was I was your typical athlete, you know, in high school. Um, and so you know, it was a fun time. High school was a lot of fun. You know, I mean, I really enjoyed that time. Yeah, like. Going really quickly back onto that, you know, that topic of, of how you're dealing with that dilemma, because I just feel like it, it could probably help out a lot of people um, that might have the same, be in that same situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, is there any tip of advice or anything that you can give to people that, like Junior mentioned, now you are able to kind of, you know, be com- com- uh, confident and comfortable with speaking is there anything you can kind of say to someone that might be dealing with that right now? Yeah, I think some of it was it, when you have, if you're, how do I want to say this? When you're um, having trouble speaking, you know, when you're have a stuttering problem or something like that, oftentimes I think you're afraid of what people are going to think about what you say, or you're afraid about, you know, it's something about dealing with others. You have that anxiety about it and so um, when you can get over that and just realize that we're all just people you know whether whether you're talking to a CEO of some company or whether you're talking to you know somebody you met on the street it doesn't mean we're all just people and so there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to just you know speak together so I think that helped a lot when I could start to see not start to see people as just people and not put them on some kind of pedestal Yeah, that's so true. We all, what, what did I hear once? It's like, as humans, we all put our pants on one leg at a time, right? Mm-hmm. And that's everyone, right? And so that's so true. And so hopefully, you know, it's, that's what's cool about, uh, you know, what we do here. It's like, one, I never knew that about you. Two, it might help someone out there if that would be out there and do that. So um, I know. And so with, with kind of going uh, into the journey even more, so... A lot of sports in high school. Did you end up going to college? Like, how did you, or did you not? And what was the next step after high school? Because I don't like for our guests out there. I know Dave personally; he's amazing. Like I said, yet what's cool about a podcast environment? You get to know people in a different light, <laughs> so you get to learn a little bit more about them just through by asking these kinds of questions. And that this—that's what makes this so much fun, you know. So, yeah, what, what, what was that? What was after high school? Yeah, so I wasn't planning to come, you know, uh, unveil all my secrets on here. <laughs> but uh, after high school, you know, I know I wanted to, I knew I wanted to go into business. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but it was more of a, uh, I wasn't interested in other things. So business was, it seemed the most obvious to me. Uh, went to Iowa State University. Um, and once we, once I got there, uh, the, the entrepreneurial program, there and so it was it's under the management uh, the school of 
School of Business is the management major, but there's a focus on entrepreneurship. And so while I was at college, that I focused on that area, which I really enjoyed that a lot, the whole entrepreneurial side of things. And so, uh, you know, something interesting when I was in, in college, I got involved with um, some of the student painter groups. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with these, but there's a couple different companies that are that, that focus on college kids and allow them to essentially create their own painting business. And you give them support, they give them training, you give them lots of information about that. So, uh, so I started with that and was a, a branch manager for one of the student painting groups. Um, so that that was a lot of fun. It, what I learned a lot from that because I you had to hire. You know, first of all, you had to sell your own work. So I was. Um, you know, knocking on doors, you know, using door hangers, uh, different types of marketing that came in and putting signs out around the, around the, the town. And uh, so that was to get the business and you do a lot of that work through winter, springtime, so that then when summer comes, then you and your employees, whoever you've hired them, can actually go paint houses. Oh wow, that'd be yeah. kind of cool. So that's how I learned to paint, first of all. But yeah. Learned a lot about business because, like I said, it was marketing. It was um, you know sitting down at people on at, in people's dining room table, you know, selling the, the products that we're selling. Essentially, was you know painting their houses, um, uh, hiring people. So that was kind of interesting too. I was hiring you know college kids. That was our thing, right? Was you know college painters essentially. So uh, and then during the summertime, it was just constant. It was you know busy because you're managing people and you're still trying to sell because you didn't have you know you didn't have enough work for the whole summer so you still got to sell you still got to market you got to manage you got to paint you got to do all these things so it was uh, it was a lot of work but I learned a lot was that so that was a third party company or was it part of the actual bachelor that you were doing it was a third party company yeah and so they uh, I think some of these companies are still around I haven't heard a lot about them but. At the time, especially the major universities would have, uh, there's probably three companies I'm aware of in the Midwest that do it. And so there'd be a, some kind of location or a branch at each of the universities would be. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. So what was uh, one of your biggest takeaways from just that? How many years did you do that? And like, what were some of the biggest lessons you, you learned from that? Yeah, I, I did three years. First year I was, I just had the Des Moines region and uh, then the year after that, I was uh, more of a regional manager. So, so then I not only had my own, my own business and my own employees, but I also mentored with these other people that were doing it as well. So, um, and then I had all of Iowa for the for the following year. Oh wow! Yeah. So, <laughs> um, what were some of my takeaways? Well, it was you know I I noticed I realized that I had a, um, some of the things I was good at was working with customers. So it was, you know, the customers just seemed to like me. They liked, you know, I think my honesty and just, you know, who I was. And so when it came to, you know, selling, I was pretty good at that, especially when I could just sit down in a living room with them. You know, and we could just talk about what we're gonna do, here's the plan, this is what we, uh, so I was able to, to do a good job selling from there. Um, the difficult parts were, I would say, you know, managing the people um, and just making sure everybody got there and that they're, and especially the quality. 
so that's a lot of it too is you know people are showing up they're getting paid by the hours and they show up so that they get paid but uh, making sure the quality is is where it needs to be yeah is always a challenge do you remember how many houses you painted no i'm not <laughs> sure <laughs> so then what 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 happened after that did you start you know right after entrepreneurship bachelor's and entrepreneurship business did you go right into entrepreneurship or did you take a different path or what what, what stemmed from that yeah so at that time i didn't have any great ideas which was the problem <laughs> so I, I didn't know what kind of business i was going to start i didn't have any um experience other than painting houses and i knew that you know being a house painter wasn't really what i wanted to do so um i ended up working so yeah as i looked for a job i I did get hired by a couple of guys that were starting an IT business, a technology company, and so which was great. That's really what I was after, and uh, I was their first employee. And uh, we were selling, you know, we were selling different types of things, but it was network-related, computer networking uh, types of services and uh, devices and different things that were needed for that. And, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a new company they were entrepreneurs you know i learned a lot from them it seemed like every six months we were changing our strategy to you know pivot here pivot there and try to figure out how we can make money um so i that was a lot of fun i learned a lot from it uh, the downside is i didn't get paid a lot <laughs> at that time but uh, i was you know single and coming out of college so i didn't need too much so was that here in des moines then mm -hmm. okay okay yeah, that was here in des moines and uh, then, as the company started to grow, uh, more employees came on board. Uh, then it started to feel less entrepreneurial and more like just a regular, you know, company. It was more of a regular job, and you know, kind of realized at that time that even though I was involved with the strategy and involved with trying to figure out how this company was going to be formed and what we were doing, I still didn't own anything. You know, it wasn't. It still wasn't my company. I was just an employee still. So I think just that urge of you know wanting to build something on my own is where uh, I started. My wife and I started buying rental properties, and so thankfully she was on board with that. So how long did you work there for? Like how many years? Hmm, probably six, six to eight years, maybe. So during that time is when you met your wife, then. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fairly early on, it was. Uh, Maybe four years into it, four or five years into it, is when we started buying our own properties. And, and where did that thought come from? Um, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, you know. Mm -hmm. So a lot of uh, real estate investors will, you know, attribute some of their early interest to that book, which was true for me as well. Read that. I read the next his next book was The Cash Flow Quadrant, which was uh, which was also a good a good book. And so read those. Um, I, you know, I just remember being in Ames uh, or I, you know, at Iowa State, and I can remember the guys that owned a lot of property there, the, you know, the property, not the property managers, but it was the owners. And I remember meeting a couple of them at one point and thought, you know, I could, I could kind of handle that, you know. Made me wonder how that business worked and how they got into it, but so I think down the road, as I started talking, thinking about real estate, that was something that made sense to me, that I understood. Uh, I still didn't have any other great ideas or inventions or uh, anything else that I had to do, so, but we started with properties.
And was your wife, like, you kind of mentioned that she was on board, but, like, was there some convincing that had to be done for her to start wanting to do that with you? Maybe a little. It, I mean, it's not something that she would have done on her own, for sure. Um, but together we did. Uh, we went to a couple trainings. Uh, I remember one weekend training course that we went to uh, that was that was pretty helpful. Uh, we learned a lot from that. Um, it seems like there was it was probably six months of preparation of just training and or learning or just kind of getting accustomed to the idea and we were looking around for properties that let us go chill out and find those first couple uh, and then we found them and then we uh, we bought them we bought two at, at the same time and uh, things went really smoothly it was uh, Fortunately for us at the time, financing was, was easy. Like even 2004, uh, the end of 2004 and then moving into 2005 and six, where at that time they would give a loan to anybody who <laughs> had a job and could walk down. The, it doesn't even matter, just even a job at all. They would just they would give you money. <laughs> and did you already own like your own primary residence outside of these two? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did that like a few years before. Yeah, my there. wife actually she bought the house before I even knew her, so oh, uh, we're still in the same house. Too. Oh, really? Yeah, well, she's the smart one. She is. <laughs> she is definitely the smart one. <laughs> when I met her, she already had the riding lawnmower and she had the, uh, the you know just the yeah the house and everything. It was it was all well. That's awesome. So then, uh, like the first two that you bought, you said it was pretty easy. So. Like, were they single-family homes? Was it a duplex? And did you have to do a lot of work to them? Like, what what made you buy those two versus any other houses out there? Uh, they were single-family homes that were move-in move in ready. At, at that point, uh, I didn't have any idea how to do uh, home, home other construction. Other than painting, right? Right. I, <laughs> I knew how to paint. I could paint for sure. And that was, you know, fairly handy, but had never done any kind of construction services, um, not on the interior of a home. So in high school, I um, uh, worked for a company that poured walls, basement walls and foundations and things. So I knew something about that, but I'm not ever going to pour a foundation on my own. So. Right. Now, I'm sure a lot of people have this question out there that are listening. What is your advice or tips on, like, getting started? Yeah, how do you buy that first one? In your case, you bought two. Not very many people go from having a primary residence to all of a sudden buying two. Like, how did you go to buy two? Was it like a package deal or? No, it's just because we were looking around. So uh, I was just making phone calls and you know calling people, and then we ended up having essentially two sellers that accepted the offer that we that we put on it. And so uh, we talked to our the mortgage broker, and yeah, we could do both. So. So we went in and we put, um, we had some savings. Um, that was the other thing, you know, my, my wife and I are good good savers. And so that helped. We did put about 5,000 down per property uh, on the first two. And then after we bought those, realized that the, at that time, the banks would actually give us, you know, nearly 100%. So, <laughs> so we, we did put money down on the next ones we bought after that. So, um, but we started two on the first one. Yeah, so they were moving ready. Um, we did that for the next, I don't know, four or five houses that we bought. I think were just moving ready ones. Yeah, pretty close. Um, not long after that time, I I met 
a fellow that was flipping houses. And uh, I don't know, I, I think we just, we must have bought a house from him and uh, just really liked this guy. And, and he apparently liked me as well. And so, uh, at, and he was, uh, he had purchased quite a few houses. He was kind of, uh, he was way ahead and he, was, he had more houses than he could, that he could do, that he could work on. And so we decided that um, we would agree on a price, you know, three, four. And he would do the work, and so you know, so that way he knew that when he did the work, that he had a buyer locked in. And as soon as the work was done, it would close. And so that gave him a little more reassurance on the you know financial side. But so then we also could agree on what kind of work he was doing, and that's really how I started learning to read on houses because we were I came in looking at the houses and they needed a bunch of work. And then we decided if they were moving walls or if they were redoing kitchens or bathrooms, and and he helped me, uh, you know, learn how to uh, price those out and what could be done or what couldn't be done with the load bearing wall, what's not a load bearing wall, things like that. So then, was all that before two thousand eight? You know, so obviously we have our our followers range in all ages. So for those of you who don't know what what happened in two thousand eight. Uh, Dave, what happened in 2008, and uh, what, how did, since you started before that, like, how did that journey, like, affect you, or help you, or, or what was, what was that story around that time? Yeah, that was the, the housing crash, on real, you know, real, real estate just uh, took a big nosedive. It was it, actually mostly because of those, all the mortgages I was telling you about, <laughs> that yeah. they would give anybody a mortgage, whether you were qualified or not. You get breathing. That's right. They give that to you. And uh, anyway, so that was one of the reasons that uh, attributed to, uh, first of all, anybody uh, values had kind of exploded during that time because, um, because they were giving, you know, anybody could get a house essentially. And so, uh, so you had that and then you had a lot of people that were getting mortgages that really couldn't afford them. And, and the mortgages were, were a little odd. So you'd, you'd have something that might start off with the first year or two, you'd have a really small payment. And then after year three, it would go back up to where it really should have been to start with. And so, and people may or may not have understood what was gonna happen. And there's just lots of situations like that going around. So yeah, in 2008, all of that came out and the market just really tanked. A lot of foreclosures were going through at that point. And so 2008, 2009, um, the banks were foreclosing on tons of property and they really didn't know what to do with them. So they just put them all in the market, which uh, can, you know, added to the, the, the downfall, if you will. Now you had this flood of cheap houses or well houses that were coming onto the market. There were so many of them, but the price had dropped way down. And so you could buy them really cheaply at that time. So did you take advantage of that time? Or? Yeah, we were we were buying some during that. We we bought quite a few beforehand, um, but we continued to buy some then as well. Did any I, of the ones you buy beforehand, like, were you affected? Like, or like, what was your strategy? Or did you have to sell some at a loss, or or because you you had a different strategy, you were okay, or what was that? Well, our strategy was poor, frankly. <laughs> it wasn't very good because uh, our strategy to begin with was uh, we thought, well, if we just could cash flow an extra hundred bucks a month, 
you know, on these properties. And we've moved in ready properties that I'll be in there. <laughs> but it's not nearly enough. If anybody, if you know anything about being in real estate, that, mm-hmm. you know, if you have to replace the water heater, that'll, that'll take $1,200. So if all you did was cash flow 100 bucks a month, then uh, all of that's used up in one repair. So, um, yeah, so our strategy to begin with wasn't so good. Although we we learned fairly quickly that that wasn't enough, and so we continued to increase it to two hundred a month, and then and then even that wasn't enough. It was three hundred a month or something that way. So uh, we continued to do that. With when I started working with the uh, the fellow that was rehabbing homes, that helped us out a lot because uh, first of all, I learned how to do that. I felt like. I think the prices we were getting, the agreement that we made with them, uh, meant that we got some of these properties a little below market, so that helped. And then uh, after working with them, then we decided to start buying the properties that needed work ourselves, found our own contractor, and then that made a huge difference because at that point we were able to buy the properties low, take the risk and fix them up, but we ended up having a lot more equity in the property so uh, so the houses we bought at the beginning we're still paying for because we just had too much money in. But to answer your question, when it comes to uh, how did we weather the storm, so to speak, yeah. uh, is the nice thing about having rentals, first of all, people still need a place to live. And so from our experience, uh, we, didn't, we didn't really suffer much as far as the real estate goes, our real estate business didn't because we had tenants the whole time. They still, we didn't lower the rents. Um, we raised some rents a little bit you know, during that time, but or at least kept them the same. And um, the payments were, you know, uh, it was cash flowing okay, meaning it was at least paying for itself. The business was paying for itself. And that was, uh, at that time, that was our goal. And you, you and your wife are still both working at this time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we both, yeah, we both had full-time jobs and, and really built our business around the, the fact that we didn't need the income. So we never, we didn't live off the income from real estate. We just um, kind of pretended from our financial perspective or income perspective, we pretended like we didn't have any real estate. So we continued to save, we continued to put money into our 401ks. We, you know, we continued to in fact, we even kept our financials separately, just treating the real estate business as a cherry on top, if you will. Right. Yeah. So if, if something happened and we lost all of those, we still wanted to be okay. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back at it, was there anything that you would change or do differently? You know, it would have been, uh, I mean, it's all part of the learning process. You know, so if I would have known how to rehab homes from the start, then I would definitely, if I had to redo it again, and knowing what I know now, starting to do yeah. it, if we lost everything, uh, it wouldn't take me very long at all to start looking for houses that I could buy for 50% of the, you know, after repair value and fix them up and, and go down that path again. So uh, if we would have done that from the start, then we would have been a much better financial position throughout the whole time really that's cool well that's uh i mean it's cool you know to kind of hear because again for you all of our followers out there that are thinking about getting 
involved in real estate, I, I, I agree. Like, I think we all learned the hard way is like, you know, we're in the Midwest, so keep that in mind, right? So the numbers have to work for wherever you're at, but like in the Midwest here in Des Moines, Iowa, you know, even a hundred dollars above, you know, a hundred dollars cash flow is typically not enough, right? Per door, $200, $300 up to start to get more comfortable. So mm -hmm. that's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a failing ads up moment as we like to call it every now and again, right? So for those of you that are getting started, like, you know, learn what cash flow in your markets works, uh, but know that you're always going to have things you're going to have to fix, right? So, so that's a, a cool learning moment for those that are just getting started or, or just bought their first one and hopefully can manage their way through, you know, making sure you, 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 you buying for cash flow at the end of the day, right? So, because I've heard that from you, um, and I've heard that from other investors that, Luckily, the ones that bought and at least had cash flow were whether were able to weather the storm just fine, right? No, even it, when the, the the market pricing, I, I don't know the actual stats, but I know across the U.S. it was like a twenty percent hit on market values. I don't know what it actually hit here, but it doesn't matter whether you take a twenty percent market hit because you don't need to sell it when the market is down, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as long as you cash flow. But if you only bought for appreciation, or and you had negative cash flow, and then you tried to sell during that time, you could go to war on you, right? Right. So, so that's super cool. So then, what uh, uh, after from 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 that market, did you? How many properties did you own, like through this, like through the market crash and coming out of it, and 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 what did you did your strategy change besides just increasing more cash flow? Or was it just follow the rhythm to continue to buy more more and more properties? Were you doing other things? Were you opening up other businesses? Or were you sticking to just uh, hitting a certain rhythm? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we probably had, so if we're talking about the 2008 range, um, uh, we probably were around 15 single family houses. We had an opportunity, I think it was in 2008, uh, that we bought a, a pentplex. So I went, went in with my brother-in-law and I and our wives and we all together went in and bought this pentplex. And, and of course I was managing that and all the other properties as well. Um, still working full time, you know, I didn't change anything with that. Um, and uh, we kept that for about two years and then realized that uh, at least that we just wasn't worth the effort. You know, so we decided to sell it. We, <laughs> we it didn't last very long. It seems like uh, now, if I were to do that over, knowing what I know now, I would eh, probably like to own that. But at the time, it just uh, I felt like I was over there three, you know, three days a week. You know, and just on top of everything else, and we had young kids at the time too. And the kids remember me taking them with me. It's like, oh, on the way home, <laughs> picking them up from school and picking up rent at the apartment complex on the way home. <laughs> and so anyway, um, so that slowed things down a little bit while I was working on that, and we weren't buying houses for those couple of years. At least I can't remember. Uh, once we sold that, then we did start uh, buying some more. At that time, though, the so 2008 came. It was caused by a lot of the banking and financial system as well. Um, then the government started, you know, tightening up the, the the leash, if you will, on the banks. And so 
it, it took a little while, a couple of years, for those regulations to come into place. I think it was around 2010. Anyway, then it got more difficult to find money. And so, and for borrowers like us, you know, we were, yeah, we had good W-2 income, we had good credit scores, but we also had, at that time, you know, 15 or more <laughs> properties, you know, and, and back then you could have 10 properties per person. So we'd put half the properties in my wife's name and half the properties in my name, and we were trying to, you know, get as many as we could. But uh, then those rules changed, and they started treating your people as one and not as not as two. So anyway, it just it became more difficult to find uh, finance, and so then we started buying on contract. Um, the ones that we did buy, which wasn't a lot, but we were uh, doing more creative financing at that point. We would find people that wanted to sell, um, or oftentimes they would just contact us, and then we would work out some kind of deal where they would uh, just uh, buy it from buy the house from that person on contract, make payments to them. And that was was that a year that was just by word of mouth? They were finding out that you guys were buying properties? Yeah, usually like friend, friend of a friend, or you know somebody, uh, maybe a coworker, or uh, people like that. All right, dur- so during this whole market, um, were you were you guys like afraid of like obviously no one knew what was going to happen right so what, what were you guys like thoughts during that time period? Uh, it, we were concerned, although ironically we really weren't concerned about the houses that we owned. The real estate wasn't a problem. We were more concerned about the jobs. Really, I remember at that time uh, that my wife's company I think they made like a ten percent reduction in salary across the board. And so we were more concerned about those, you know. So we did cut back on spending. We, um, you know, gave up some of the some of the just regular expenses and costs that we had. And so we were trying to trying to just be a little more careful and more tackling the wisdom with our spending during that time. So then, like, so what was next after that that journey? Because that's also I think maybe around the time I might have reached out to you too, right? Maybe <laughs> oh, around 20, oh, oh, maybe, maybe 2012, maybe 2013. Long stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. At, at the time we had, uh, there's an investment group, uh, just a group of us that uh, a lot of us either had properties or were interested in real, real estate, but we talked about other kind of types of business ventures as well. And so uh, we'd get together and I had met Junior and Invited him to come to a couple of those, and and then we just opened the warehouse and uh, made some deals. Yeah. So, like from your perspective, yeah, you were, yeah, like it's it's a cool story because I'm a big believer that you know everything happens for a reason, and 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 God puts people in your in your path for a reason, right? And so, I would I was just I graduated in 2010, so I had just moved back to Des Moines, had only been here a couple years, and again I read the book. Rich Dad Poor Dad, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is a whole different lifestyle, right? And then I wanted to learn more about investing. So, one thing I'm not afraid to do is reach out to people. So I remember, I just went on Craigslist, and I was just looking up multiple people that had multiple houses listed, either for rent or for sale. So you probably had a couple on there that were for rent or for sale mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And I would just reach out to those people that had multiple properties. 
And I remember I sent out over like 150 different messages to all sorts of people. You know, I had no idea if it was a real human or if it was a robot, a Craigslist robot or whatnot. And I only got responses from two people, and one of them was you. <laughs> and all I was saying was something along, and I bet you I could probably go back and find that email, like in my old email. I want, I want, I want to look, go back and look for it and see if I find it. But I feel like it was something along like, "Hey, I'm I'm a new investor in Des Moines, and I want to learn about investing in in Dubia for Gravity Coffee." And Dave was one of the ones that said yes, and and I don't know why he said yes. I I've actually never asked you why you said yes. Do you remember why you said yes? No, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever have anyone else ask you that? Like it was, you know, for a coffee? Uh, well, not that. Well, actually, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I, I would. It, you know, there was another friend of mine that was, uh, I would say, was kind of mentored by us as well. Um, you know, they just had bought property before we did. And so it's always nice to have somebody to ask. And, and I've always had just auto fill people. It's not surprising to me that I would have responded. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was okay. That's true. Not and when you say it like that, I I'm not surprised that you said yes either because you just like to help people, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first meet up with a real investor, <laughs> you know. And I remember we had coffee at the Caribou Coffee Shop, and and I was just you know he he answered a lot of the questions that I had, and and then they started inviting me to those investment groups and it helped me in analyze like one of my first real estate deals and told me when other people had told me not to buy it which then I found out later they didn't even have investment properties <laughs> <laughs> and then luckily I listened to Dave because I'm like well this guy owns property and I bought it and we still have that or I mean we had that property for some time and it's it's a, it's a great investment so um, and ever since then Dave you know our, we 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 went to some investment groups and then you know we kind of dis- disconnected there for a little while, um, and then I'm sure you you kept buying, right? Mm-hmm. What's uh, um, but yeah, that that first meetup with Dave like changed the changed my life for the rest of my life because I was an engineer and then I also kept buying, and then eventually got into more real estate heavy stuff. But after those around that time, like. When did you, like, how many properties were you buying every year? Like, what uh, what was your end goal? Like, you know, because we've only reconnected here in the last couple of years. And mm-hmm. so what what was your goal with you and your wife for your real estate investments? Like, what, what were you going after? Well, I think the, once we got to around 20 properties, um, I was really fairly capped out on just my availability to be able to manage those and and still work full-time and so we really slowed down a lot because then the question was okay do I want do I go full-time in real estate which is what I really wanted to do but remember we built the business thinking that we didn't need the income right and so so we had structured a lot of our loans and things like that where we were just trying to pay mortgages in you know and so so it was I I was looking at the numbers saying there's no way that I could even come close to replacing my income. And I wasn't sure that I really wanted to, to throw that back on the family to say, oh, we're just going to cut our, our income in half and then uh, go you know, do this. It just it, it didn't feel like the right time during those 
see it was, you know, so I just continued. And I didn't dislike what I was doing. I was a business analyst, essentially, was the role that I was doing. Um, so I didn't dislike doing that, and the pay was good. And so there's lots of reasons not to go uh, full, full time in the real estate exactly. at that, at that which is really what my kind of dream was. So yeah. like, that's what I want, wanted to do. But uh, anyway, so that's really a lot of those years were spent just kind of dabbling around a little bit. Um, every now and again, we'd buy one or uh, you know something like that. So and you also at this at this time your kids were getting older too, right? So yeah. I'm sure they were probably getting <laughs> busy on that end and stuff. Yeah, they they were busy, and when I did think about, there were some times where I had a transition in my in my in my full time you know work, and I switched to a different company or a different position, and the opportunities had come up to say, okay, do I go, you know, do I interview for this for this next position, or do I, you know, do I not? And it just wasn't again the the fi- the financial means wasn't quite there Yeah, not without having a major impact on the family. So, mm-hmm. and looking back, as much as I really wanted to do that, uh, I think, like we said before, God's timing, right? There's just always there's. I was just being patient, you know, and uh, which is hard to do, <laughs> especially when you have a some sort of a vision. At least I knew I wanted to do real estate full time, but uh, but the opportunity opportunity did finally come you know, a few years ago. You know, so my position was eliminated. And by that time, I was I was ready to. I could just feel the itch. Like I didn't I didn't really want to go interview for another corporate job. I really wanted to get into real estate full time. And fortunately, by then, you know, we had had some of these uh, some of these properties for sixteen years. You know, so we had a lot of equity. It was the, the portfolio over, overall had probably fifty percent equity in it. And so. Um, so actually, before the my position was eliminated, before I even knew that was coming, I already been kind of thinking, uh, thinking about coming back into real estate full time. So I had started working on banking relationships, trying to finance credit, trying to find you know, kind of, you know how am I going to you know make this work. So it just so happened that you know when I got the news that I didn't have the job, I felt like. I had already, push, huh? yeah, I had already kind of laid some groundwork to be able to do that, and then that was the, the shove I needed to, to get out of that. <laughs> how, did, how did that conversation look like with your wife, and if if you did have her or not, with also your, you know, the rest of your family, your kids? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Uh, uh, she was super supportive, honestly. Uh, I mean, she knew she knew that I've always wanted to do real estate more. Um, but was also not ready for me to do it earlier than this. Um, but this time around, where I, you know, really said that you know, I really wanted to do this, she was she was on board with that too. So I was I was very pleased that, that that wasn't a battle that we needed to have. I think I think she also knew that it was time. That's super cool. So then, how did that feel like going from you know, like being able to do this full time? Like what were those? What was that first? Six months or those first three, <laughs> three months, six months, year. Like, what were the thoughts going through your head? What were those feelings? Like, what, what was going on? Yeah. So I was. Uh, I mean, it was. It was exciting. It was scary. It was. My thoughts were surrounded really on just cash flow. I, I knew that my income was no longer coming in, and uh, so 
so my thought was I need to build up more mental income. Um, I mean, my wife's still working. We can still pay the bills, but um, but I really need to try to replace at least some or as much of my income as possible. So my focus was on um, just buying properties that I really cash flow really well, you know, four or five hundred a month if possible. So that's kind of what the target was at the time. Well, how how are you like? deciding like all right which properties are gonna you know you're gonna cash all of them are cash flowing it sounds like right like which mm-hmm. ones are you choosing you're like i'm gonna take a little bit from here take a little bit from this one how did you come up with that well it was buying new ones i had to buy new ones that cash flowed well because <laughs> the ones we had were they were what they were we already you know had the, the loans locked in and the loans were already there so we could raise some on some on some of them and so that was part of it but I knew to really make it work, I needed to add, grow the portfolio. And as I'm growing the portfolio, I have to specifically grow the cash flow. Uh, because just by buying more properties that just paid for themselves, it's just going to add more work, but not any more income. And so I needed to focus on adding income. And like from those that you were, pull, were you pulling the full four or 500 cash flow? Or are you just pulling like a hundred? No, really, it, I hadn't started pulling anything yet. What I was, um, um, I was okay for about a year. You know, we had between oh, some severance and some just different types of income that was there. You know, we were, I was, I was okay for a while, but I knew that after, after a certain amount of time, we were going to need to start moving into business. And it's just something we hadn't done in the past. Uh, so some of it was restructuring some of our existing uh, loans as well. So refinancing some of those, getting, uh, taking advantage of some of the low interest rates helped out, extending some of those uh, mortgages out a little bit more, um, consolidated a few of them as well. So there's a number of things we did to just uh, increase the cash flow for the existing uh, properties that we owned. Um, and then it was buying more that had now, I'm just curious, just because it is like a relevant topic when we're recording this right now, but what was like the highest interest rate you got on the property? Do you remember? Like during the period of time? Yeah, I can remember getting um, eight, 8% rates. Um, sometimes when we were buying, this is early on, uh, like 2004 or five, six, in those in that time frame, I think. Um, Back then, one of the ways you would get to 100% financing is you would you would get a first and a second. You know, so you get a first uh, first loan for 80%, um, second loan for 20%, and you're coming to an amount on top of that. Is that like so, a balloon payment on that second one? Do you know? Um, Depending. I don't recall. I don't remember. I think they was. I think the amortization was still spread out pretty well, but. But because you have that second, you had to pay a premium on it on top of it. So it, um, it ate into your monthly mm-hmm. income quite a bit, your monthly cash flow. So yeah, so 8% in like 7, 8. Yeah, the second mortgage might be at 10. 10%. You know, so 80% you might get at 7 or 8%, but that second mortgage was coming in at 10. Yeah. <laughs> so that was normal back then. Uh-huh. So that's what people like, again, you know why Antonio says it's relevant right now is because that that's that's what we're going back to essentially mm-hmm. is 
back to normal, which then a lot of people doesn't seem like normal, <laughs> right? Because they're so in the last handful of years, it's been so low. But um, one perspective that uh, you know that we've been giving is the reason it's been so low recently is because obviously it's because the economy has suffered in some way, right? Like a global pandemic, <laughs> you know? right? Uh, and so usually you don't want interest rates to be low because that usually means there's something in the economy happening so mm-hmm. uh, so now we're just trying I guess you know I guess what's your take on that like go, you know essentially the government wants to get back to quote unquote normal and eventually people will in my you know what I've been told because I haven't lived through this this is my first time living through it uh, I've obviously heard everything from uh, mentors like yourself and other mentors of mine mm-hmm. going oh we're just going back to and eventually people will forget that interest rates were like 3%, you know, and then, and then it, because life happens and you move because life is happening, not because of interest rates or what's going mm-hmm. on, right? So, but I'm curious your thoughts on, on all of this, since you've kind of seen a little bit of, uh, a little bit of everything, right, in regards to like life cycles. Right. Well, first of all, I, I don't think interest rates dipped below five, or they didn't hit five until, I want to say 2009, so prior to that. At a rate of under five was unheard of. <laughs> so, yeah, then we've gone through this period of a uh, lot of years where the rates were five or less. And so, um, you know, the downside, I mean, we all enjoy low rates for sure. Yeah. If you can lock in a lower rate, that's great. The, the, what it really allows people to do is buy a lot more house than they can with, with a higher rate. And so, um, I think the painful side is really where the change takes place but once the market corrects itself a little bit so maybe prices have to go down a little um, something has to change to make the so that the house prices and the rates can kind of coexist together and people can still afford houses (laughs) so you know if you're if you're before the 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 home prices were low and then the rates got, you know, continued to lower down as well. So people could buy more expensive houses. Well, the house prices have gone up over the years and especially especially the last two years have gone way up. Now all of a sudden when the rates also go up, uh, now people can't hardly afford to buy a house mm-hmm. unless they're buying a fixer upper or something like that, which most people aren't interested in. So, so we just have to correct, you know, the market's got to correct that a little bit right now rates probably shouldn't stay too high but we don't need them to be that low either yeah well and, and we've been seeing again the last two years like 14 to 20 percent year where your price increases because the rates are so low mm-hmm. right and that's not sustainable so right. it, it'll it's hopefully should normalize and get back that you know it should go back to normal where the four to six percent Like almost prices almost went up fifty percent over two years, like went crazy. You know, but mm-hmm. uh, well now um, that's cool to get your take on that because again for all the followers out there, like that's kind of you know for the, don't be like investors aren't scared of rates, right? Right. Uh, it's just based on cash flow. So tell us, Dave. Now now what's going on in life? That, that's kind of bringing us to to kind of today's, we're talking about today's world. So what, 
what's going on in your life now? What are, what are you doing now? What are you excited about now? What's what's happening? Yeah, so the last year or two here have, have been uh, huge changes. You know, it's not only just uh, going into real estate full time. Where you know, my plan for doing it full time was to buy, uh, you know, maybe four or five houses a year. Uh, do more of the work myself. Again, I was trying to maximize cash flow, so if I could lower my rehab expenses, I would uh, maximize the cash flow a little bit more. And uh, you know, do that for five years, and by then, my wife would be ready to retire, and, and we would, you know, <laughs> live off our properties at that point. So that was my plan, um, and that lasted uh, six months, maybe eight <laughs> months. I don't know. <laughs> And uh, then, yeah, so Junior and I, we got together. Uh, I don't know, we just started communicating again. And, and uh, um, uh, Junior had explained some of his uh, vision on what he wanted to do with wealth builders and helping people uh, uh, buy real estate and, and train and teach people with that, with team members and such. And, and it just so, it was just a good, the timing was just perfect to get back to Gap Corner. So the timing was perfect because I had already been working on houses. I had contractors already working on projects, um, and I know how to, uh, you know, look at fixer uppers and figure out, you know, run the numbers on those, figure out what the cost is going to be and and whether it's a good deal or not. And at the same time, uh, you know, Junior Ryan and, and IRG were having opportunities come in for people that. Um, fixer-uppers that they needed to do you know sell quick or they it was hard to put them on the market and so uh, so that's when we put together this new this new venture uh, for IRG instant offers and uh, it's a cash offer solution that uh, we're offering uh, homeowners to sellers um, to buy their houses for cash so uh, anyway yeah it's been a so that's been great uh, we thought it was a good idea, and then we, uh, as we got the rest of the agents involved and told them about it and, and started uh, training, that is uh, when this year has just really, really blown up, honestly. So. And when we just took a look at the numbers not too long ago, is that where you guys were projecting? Uh, like, we had a stretch goal. <laughs> <laughs> we had a stretch goal. We're like, yeah, there's no way we're going to buy 24 houses in our first year there's there's just no way but let's like you know let's see what happens let's let's just put it out into the world and, and even if we get half of that we'll be like oh that's one house a month and then Dave was sharing the numbers and yeah <laughs> well, just so you guys know there right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, here. here we are at the beginning of November and you have uh, yeah, 24 houses already that we either bought or have currently in contract and, and uh, are you looking for a new home here in the Des Moines area to kick back, relax, maybe watch some Netflix, then chill? You are. Well, why hire a real estate agent when you can hire a real estate team that has an exclusive VIP buyer program to get you into your new home? That's where Ibarra Realty Group at Keller Williams Greater Des Moines comes in. Learn more about it on their website at IbarraRealtyGroup.com. That's I-B-A-R-R-A Realty Group. Dot com. Again, learn more about the exclusive VIP buyer program at IbarraRealtyGroup.com. Oh, yeah. And, and like, I'm, I'm curious, like, what, what did your wife say about all this? Like, now that you've, 
you know, we've kind of accepted it into the identity <laughs> culture, and you know, just yeah, it's definitely been like amazing coming from like an agent standpoint of like just learning from you, right? Just hearing hearing you in conversation and and how you kind of analyze everything. Yeah, well, it's cool, like to see, you know, like what just like Dave said earlier, like why he even says that when he said coffee because he wanted to help, and so when. I, you know, there was a vision I had about like, because I, I have another mentor of mine who's been mentoring me, you know, for a long time, you know, for 10 years. And, and he took me under his wing and said, I'm going to help you become your mentor. And that changed my life right there. Like, he actually, you know, took me under his wing and, 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 and was helping me guide me through that. Right. And so I've always had this vision to help do the same thing for other people. And I know that one of the best ways to do it is through ESR. And so I was like, hey, you know, like when we reconnected, we had multiple discussions. Like it wasn't just like one discussion and blue, you know, like hired me and some offers. It was like we talked about each other's goals and and like he's always been such an awesome, like genuine person, high integrity. Like his values have to align too when you go into a partnership. His values mm-hmm. have to align, right? And the goals have to essentially, not that they have to be the same, but they have to be in a similar direction. And so when we told him about, he he really loved that we wanted to help others through coaching and mentorship. And that's mm-hmm. what, like, he told us, like, I love that, you know? And because, well, you know, when you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, good things happen. And I think that's what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And so... Like, it's cool to, you know, like, we're all now together as one big, you know, uh, partnership and our REG family, as we like to call each other, and helping others, and it's, like, good things are happening, right? So it's super, mm-hmm. super cool. And so, uh, but, yeah, I'm curious to hear, too, like, what does uh, Diane, your wife, think about <laughs> all this? Does she you think know? we're a little crazy, Dave? <laughs> tell us the truth. Yeah, tell us the okay. truth. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, know, uh, I know you guys came to played volleyball with us uh, we hung out around um, uh, what was it what was it just like a, a, a season right like yeah season of volleyball. oh man she was she, she was, was good <laughs> she was real good she was diving <laughs> using her feet everything she that's why the only reason why we won probably that game yeah, so. yeah and Dave was good too but I think she was better you can have to settle in the courts it sounds like Dave yeah uh, I think she's um, well. She lost track of the houses. For a while, she was you know kind of keeping track. To, you know, of, okay, well, which ones do we own, or what you know, what's 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 this deal? I haven't heard this house before. And then she stopped keeping track after a while. But she, I I think she loves it honestly. And she, I know she can see how happy I am. You know, there's just I have a extra spring in my step. There's um, it's it's been one of this has been the funnest time I've had for for years. You know, just being able to build this uh, business and grow it, and to grow it with all these all the people, the whole team has been wonderful to work with, and and so uh, I think Diane is very pleased about it because she knows that I'm having a good time. You know, yeah, and that we're doing good things, and that's the other thing is that you know I'm we're talking about how we're. Um, you know, mentoring people and coaching people, and, and how we're 
trying to get people to qualify for the well filter program so then we can start helping them buy rental properties and, and lead them down a, a similar path. Do you think it's it's safe to say like uh, you know obviously you've always had a passion for real estate investing but I don't know it sounds like to me and you correct me if I'm wrong do you feel like you found like a new passion within it with the coaching and with uh, you know some of the other things that you guys are doing is that safe to say yeah yeah I'd say so I think it's it was interesting because I didn't realize how how much experience I had until I started um, uh, helping coaching you know people that were just getting started and then I realized wow I actually have a lot of answers <laughs> and so because I, I, I hadn't thought about it that way I, I just it was always just kind of a side hustle for me for a long time that I wanted to do full time, but but it I didn't uh, the the opportunities were never really there for me to coach too many other people. You know, from time to time, but usually there's lots of people that want to invest in real estate. You know, when you tell them you have rental properties, lots of people say, "Oh yeah, I'd like to do that," or "I wish I would have done that," or but not too many people are serious about it. That you know, not many people actually want to ask me how'd you do it and you know help me along to do that you know take uh take action right right that's exactly it and so even the, i remember the mentor that i had um uh he had told me the same thing he when after talking with me and after we started buying properties he's like you're the first person that that has actually uh, uh, proceeded with actually you know buying property after we've talked about it you know people ask me all the time about how you do it and he says I explain it to him and then nobody does anything <laughs> so so it's just interesting uh, and some of that though is just not just it's not just giving the information to them but it's helping them along the way and that's really what we're doing at RG is we're we're giving that path to the to the team members and saying this the, here's the steps and we'll help you with that walking them through that process mm -hmm. well the you know like uh, <clears throat> yeah taking action is a big thing and, and and i think it's a lot of you know for those of you listening right now it's you know when you think of real estate you think of all the tv shows right all the bright and shiny tv shows out there the rainbows <laughs> yeah the pretty stuff yet i mean that's not the reality of it when you're building this you know and so um what's one of the hardest things is you know like well how do i do it when with who what when where why how you know the those mm -hmm. those questions and so i think it's like if you're our followers out there like you have to find someone like dave to help guide you through it and and actually take action with them not just talk about it right what's cool with a lot of people that are very successful um, they're very giving, you know, like because they that's probably how they got there is because they are so giving, it's like good things are happening, right? And a lot of the ones I've met over the years, including Dave, have always been very giving. And they're actually like, if you want to learn, I'm, I'll literally teach you, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and I and now we're amplifying that, I think, with the team and having these partnerships together is because not only are we going to coach and mentor, we're actually going to be like. Well, you can actually get a rehab by the same crew <laughs> that's rehabbing all the other ones. Oh, you want access to capital? We're trying to come up with solutions for access to capital because that could be one of the 
the, the, the you know, if you want to grow faster, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, obviously, you have to have your own capital, but there are opportunities sometimes to bring capital to, to a deal, right? So it's like now we're just amplifying it so that, as they say, you become the average of the five people you hang out with the most. And we want to hang out with some pretty cool people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're, we're all creating that world. And so honestly, like, I'm so excited for what Dave has already brought into the table and what the future is. You know, uh, with that being said, uh, you know, I know I'm super excited about it because it's just like we're just getting started. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What well, like, uh, you know, what are you excited about, Dave, for the next year, the next five years? Like what if, you know, you, you don't have to agree with me because you're going to be like, yeah, this is cool, but I'm going to do that. <laughs> you know, well, but, <laughs> you know uh, what else is on uh, what else is on your docket? So what are you looking forward to for 2023 and beyond? And and what do you yeah what is it what is it what's next uh, at this point i feel like we're we're just getting started you know we we just kind of scratched the surface on trying to figure out how this can all work we know that we're on a we're onto a good concept uh we've proven that it can uh that it can work now the market's shifting on us so we got to prove that it continues to uh to work on you know in all markets essentially but uh i'm yeah i'm excited about just continuing to grow that I think I think the as far as the house buying process, I think we'll buy more. You know, we'll continue to buy more next year, and and some of that is getting more of the agents involved. That's really the reason that we've been able to do it. It's not because I'm, you know, some brilliant person that knows how to find a bunch of deals. That's that's not it. It's because we have a great team that is they're talking to people every day, and and that team is out there that when the situation comes up they're they're bringing in they're mentioning the prop you know that uh, um, no solution solution yeah thank you and so anyway so that really helps out uh, a lot is having that sales force essentially is, is what's happening so as much as we can uh, continue to grow that um, uh, we haven't even done much marketing on it and uh, yet we're having great success so I think we can grow that further I think there's other services we can add on to it as well um, we're gonna probably need some uh, expand our construction services handyman services some more um, I know the well filter program I think we'll we'll start stepping up as well so I'm just excited about the whole thing we're gonna uh, continue moving forward the the focus now really is just getting the systems in place and so in order for us to scale uh, we need to have the right systems in place we need to have the right talent in place and so I think the focus this year is really on no, and then Antonio put it by his first one here going into the new year, right, Antonio? Yes, sir, yes, sir. You know, it's um, something that I'm very excited about and also um, just very grateful and feel very blessed to, you know, be able to have the mentorship from Dave, Junior, uh, Ryan, and, you know, support of the rest of the team. So, yeah, I'm definitely feeling uh, very blessed and grateful for that and, uh, you know, once it comes, we're going to thank you guys so much. And, uh, you know, also it's, I think, you know, I've always heard you say junior over the years that once you buy that first one, you want to buy that next one and then so on and so on, right? Get that little, want to get that little bug itching, oh, yeah. that little addiction. Uh, Dave knows it. <laughs> Dave knows it too well. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be cool. And, and, you know, you guys have been been touching on it. It's, it's, um, you guys don't have to be doing this for the rest of the team, right? You guys can just keep this to yourself if you really wanted to. But, um, you know, I think that's something that 
principally a lot of people on the campus that uh, we're kind of we have that mentality of like I can do it on my own but why not share it yeah it wouldn't be as fun (laughs) (laughs) it just wouldn't be as fun to see you know uh, you know kind of being a Gen Z you know 22 year old to share you know what Dave and I have learned over the years with someone so young it's like that's so cool (laughs) you know it's just so cool to like you know not not I mean, Dave, could you imagine learning this stuff at 22 years old? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been awesome. You know, that would have changed life a lot, for sure. Yeah. So, so that's, that's so awesome. So, Dave, um, tell our, uh, our, our followers, like, where they can find you if they want to reach out to you, you know, so whether that's, you know, social media profiles on LinkedIn or hey, Facebook. Dave still has a MySpace. Oh, really? uh, no, no, I <laughs> didn't know was on my I, I, That no. was only you, Antonio. Your, your only friend was Tom. Dude, I don't, yeah, I don't understand how I had a MySpace over, like, some people who are way older than me. Like, not that Dave is way older, but, like, you know, some 30, 40-year-old people. Like, I had what? MySpace. I didn't have MySpace. <laughs> but, no, where, uh, where can people find you, Dave? Uh, if they want to reach out to you, where can they reach out to you uh, if they want to ask any questions? Obviously... Well, you know, people can post questions here on uh, on our social media pro- profiles at Failing Ed's Up. Uh, yet, if they want to reach out to you, where, where can they find you? Yeah, the social media platforms I'm on mostly is Facebook and LinkedIn. Okay. Honestly, those, those are probably the best places to find me on social media. Um, uh, I'm also Dave at IbarraRealtyGroup.com. Yep. So you can contact me there, too. And, uh, you know, kind of tra- slowly transitioning out, I, I just kind of want to, I want to ask this question. So over, you know, all these years of you getting straight out of college and, you know, going right into work, it, it sounds like you've always been work, 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 especially doing real estate on the side up until these last few years now. Um, what do you what do you like to do for fun? You know, do you guys take vacations <laughs> as a family? Or what's that kind of look like? Because sometimes I think it's also important for people to see, like, it is okay to have a personal life outside of all of this. And it's it's about finding that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife and I like to travel, and so we like to. We've always taken uh, multiple vacations uh, for a lot of years. She and I took you know a week vacation just ourselves without the kids, and that was always really important over the years. Now that they're in high school, it's uh, we're we're probably just saving up until we're empty nesters, and then we're going to have a lot more time. But mm-hmm. that's, that's not too far away here. Uh, so we like to travel. That's probably one of the, the, the main things that I would say as far as the hobbies and things um, that we do. We're involved with the kids, obviously, in their, in their activities. So spend a lot of time with that. And uh, you're right. I do, I do tend to work a lot, although I enjoy, I, I enjoy real estate a lot. So it's a, it's a labor of love. That's awesome. So then if you had to narrow it out, narrow it down to two or three uh, pieces of advice to all of our followers out there um, you know just kind of going back to your story like what what two or three pieces of advice would you give out to, to those out there maybe looking for an entrepreneurial path or a real estate path or just life in general like uh, what would you say in order to help uh, you know provide a, a perspective from your angle I'd say uh, consistency over time is really important. A lot of people, it's easy to get focused on the get rich quick 
type you know scenarios and when you watch uh, real estate on TV or something you know major fixer flip shows and those kind of things they're they're fun to watch they're making huge amounts of money it feels like it's a get rich quick thing but the majority of real estate investors know that it's not and so real estate is is um, it's a long-term investment but really investing in general is that way so even if you're putting money into um, you know your 401k stock market wherever you're putting that money at it's uh, you have to be consistent over time and that's really the way that you're going to build wealth and so so i think that's an important thing is just to have that long that long view um uh, and just be consistent on your investments um i i think that being uh, honest and genuine is important and so if you if you feel like you have to be somebody else in front of people then um it, it, you're probably not in front of the right people, you know. Honestly, if you, because uh, that just catches up to you. It's it's just a lot of work, a lot of stress to try to keep up some kind of front, you know. That's that's different than who you really are. So, so just being honest, being genuine, be who you are, and the people that that appreciate that will just come around. And so I think that's a, that's a big piece as well. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, wow. He is mind blowing out of your house. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's so cool. Like I said, it's just cool to. It, it, I hope you had fun, Dave, because I, I had fun. And uh, uh, it's just cool to. It's a different environment, so you get the story in different angles. The so. whole another <laughs> level of connecting with someone. Yeah, it's, it's super cool. So. I would uh, say it's a little odd to talk about myself for an hour, <laughs> however long we've been here. That's okay. That means you did it right, the right way. Yeah. You didn't shut me down early on. No, I love it. I had a lot of fun, and I hope you did too. And uh, Antonio, uh, you know, so again, everyone, feel free to follow Dave on LinkedIn or on Facebook. And again, we'll post. Um, you know, some of those links here in the podcast below and some of our social media platforms. And then, Antonio, what, what do we have next for Feeling Ed's Up? Yeah, you know, um, we're, Junior and I are working diligently um, with our editor, who's, who's actually Dave's son. <laughs> you know, so uh, shout out to our editor, Tyler. Um, but yeah, no, we've been working very hard towards, um, you know, just pushing more and more content out for you guys. And I'm curious if you guys could comment down below wherever you're watching this, whether that's you know our TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, or any of those platforms. Um, you know, Junior and I, it, it can be hard to schedule guests sometimes. So we really want to be pushing out this content, and we want you guys to get to know us more on a personal level. So we're thinking about you know even if we don't have a guest, maybe we do some episodes where it's just Junior and I and. You know, we just talk about different topics, things that you guys want to hear about. So, um, you know, we would appreciate it if you guys could give us some feedback on that stuff and, you know, feedback on, on how we're doing with um, with everything. And once again, you know, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for supporting as always. We really do appreciate you guys liking, sharing with your friends. If you are new, make sure you do subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. Subscribe to all our different platforms. And uh, thank you once again. Yeah. <clears throat> like Antonio said, this is we have a lot of fun doing this, and that is one thing you know. Failing adds up is like we're learning a lot along along this journey, and uh, and uh, scheduling you know guests is is always hard because we gotta most of the people we're trying to schedule with have really you know busy schedules. So and uh, Antonio and I as well have busy schedules uh, with with our entrepreneurship journey. So 
you know, we want to continue to push content and uh, we, we just kind of got together and we're like, you know what, even if we don't have a, a guest, let's continue to meet up and just make it consistency over time and make it more consistent. Um, so we plan on still getting together and just kind of talking uh, because we, we do what's cool with, you know, we're very blessed that we see each other every, almost every day. And so, and every single week is something crazy. There's always something crazy happening mm-hmm. in our lives just because we're so involved in so many things. So uh, Antonio and I was like, well, let's just talk about what's going on in our lives, like on a week to week basis. Uh, Cause we have a lot of fun with it and, and there's lessons to be learned there of things we did wrong whether it's real estate related or another business venture related or just in general, you know, just networking with people. So, so yeah, we're, we'll, we'll start posting some of that content as well that, you know, may not be as long and as cool as some of the stories. Uh, yeah, you might, you know, uh, I know we listen to other podcasts where they do that and we, we like to hear different perspectives, right? So uh, we're excited about what's to come. There's a lot more to come. Uh, yeah, shout out to Tyler out there who's helping us out with the slicing and the dicing of all the, <laughs> the content and, and, you know, video coming soon and, and just a little bit of everything and, you know, maybe some swag in the future. I don't know. Who knows where this takes us, but we're having a lot of fun with it. Hope, hopefully your followers are having fun and you know where to find us. So uh, until next time, what else? I think that's it. That's it. We want to thank Dave Ferris for coming out uh, once again. We want to thank you for taking the time with us. Um, if you guys did like the podcast, as always, make sure you like, follow, comment, subscribe, share with all your friends, and we will see you next, next time. Yes, see you later. Thanks for tuning in with us on this episode of Failing Ads Up. Till next time.